destroy the truth about who Jesus Christ is. Seems that anything that is good is becoming evil, and anything that is evil is becoming good. Now, it just seems that uh, as Christians, you know, we have to be really careful that we're not seduced into thinking that those things that are good are bad too, and start agreeing with the world that evil things are good. And we're seeing this so much now, where Christian groups are starting to say, yeah, the evil is okay. And we have to be careful as Christians that we're not seduced in it. Because many have decided that many of the laws of the government that go against the Word of God, which is our basis, many of the laws of government that go against the Word of God are okay. And have adopted these instead of the laws of God. But I want to tell you, that's not new. This has been going on for years. You know, even at the beginning of the church, right back in the AD uh, 100, there were those who were trying to creep into the church and destroy the church and their beliefs so, they, so that they could have power. And if you look at any groups that are cults or any groups that you know, have, have ended up uh, doing things because of one person, it is because they have twisted the truth of the Bible. And you know what? That's what the world looks at, and they say that's what Christians are like instead of looking at the real true, true church of who Jesus Christ is. So this morning we're going to look at the little book of Second John, and it's interesting because I was just so enjoying that, Jeff, and the worship team. I was thinking, man, we're talking about an awesome God, and I've got to come and talk about <laughs> guys coming in and destroying the church. But it's, it's much like Jude, and you know, for those who were here with Jude, we talked about you know, false prophets coming in and trying to take over and doing these things. But it's written to a lady whom we speculate, it's only speculation, that she had a church in her home. Because back in those days, they didn't meet in buildings like this. They met in homes. And obviously, her children were the believers that would meet there and come and, and join with them in Second John and uh, just do, do uh, have, have fellowship together. But it was a warning to her of these deceivers who creep into the fellowship. And their focus was to destroy the faith of the believers around who Jesus Christ is. If you can destroy a Christian's faith on who Jesus Christ is, you've destroyed a Christian. Because Jesus Christ is the basis and the center, as we've talked about today, as Jeff has brought to us, he is the center of the Christian faith. If you destroy Jesus Christ, you've destroyed the Christian. He's got nothing. He just has a faith that is baseless. So these guys would come in, these people would come in, and they would try to destroy the very source of their faith, Jesus Christ. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to be reading uh, from Second uh, John. It'll be up on the screen. I'm reading from the English Standard Version, the ESV. And we'll just start by reading it. So turn to Second John. Now, you might miss it. It's a little book just before Third John and just after First John and before Jude. So if you've turned to it, let's start reading. I'll read from the ESV. Greetings. The elder to the elect lady and her children whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all who know the truth, because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son, in truth and love. 
I rejoiced greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as we were commanded by the Father. And now I ask you, dear lady, not as though I were writing you a new commandment, but the one we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you had heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. For many deceivers have gone out and sorry, for many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh, such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourself, so that you may not lose what we have worked for, but may win a full reward. Everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching to you, receive him in, uh, do not receive him into your house or give him any greeting. For whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. Though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink. And instead, I hope to come to you and talk face to face so that our joy may be complete. The children of your elect sister greet you. Little book seems a little vague at times, doesn't it, as you read it? In fact, Ray came in this week to talk to me and he was saying about uh, the first three verses. I said, oh, you can jump there, there those. You're not, there's not much in that. And I said to him, my problem is not what I'm going to say, it's what I'm not going to say, because I have to cut it down. But in those first three verses, there's some real truths that we want to look at. And what I've done in this book, just to make it easy, I'll split it into four parts. And it's a comparison, as you'll see as we go along. But the letter of Second John is a nice letter addressing the local congregation. It's polite. It's not like Corinthians. It's not like some of the other letters where I deplore. I, I'm disgusted with you. It's a nice letter just warning people. And he applies some of the principles of 1 John. Now, in 1 John, if you remember, we did that a couple of years ago. There were three principles that came out of 1 John. I'll just go over them once again that were tests of evidence. The first one was the doctrinal test. The doctrinal test is that uh, keeping to what the apostles taught, as work about Jesus Christ, his work and his life and, and his person. So that's the first test when it comes to, is this person a Christian? The second one was the moral test. The moral test was a love for God's commands and, and walking in accordance with Scripture. So does the person who calls himself a Christian say, I love what God says, and I'm going to walk in what God says? That's the second test. The third test was what I call a relational test. It, it, it gets, they've got long words, but I just use it a relational test. That is an intangible expression and love and care for one another, for fellow Christians. Christians truly loving and caring for their fellow Christians in the local congregation and elsewhere. So there are those three tests that uh, John put out there in 1 John that he puts into 2 John, not as clear as that, but we will see it as we go along. So he brings this test against certain soft teachers in their own time, and we start off in, number, in verses uh, one, to, 1 to 3, and I've called these verses truth, Jesus Christ, the doctrinal test. And he starts off knowing the truth. You know, in today's world, there are lots of lies out there about who Jesus Christ is. The other day, I had someone come to my door, 
And uh, just before Christmas, we had, they obviously had an evangel, evangel, evangelical meeting around the district. I don't know if they came to Whitey's house. He, I think he sent them down to me. But he came in and, and I said to him, you know, my problem with you guys, as we got talking, is you say Jesus isn't God. And I said to him, when I was an atheist, I had the right to say that. You guys didn't. He said, what do you mean? He said, well, I was an atheist, and I said that Jesus wasn't God. I didn't believe in it. But you came to my house, that was when we were out at the farm, and said he, he, he wasn't God too. But I read your book, and I said it is God. Your own book tells me that, you, that Jesus is God, and you're telling me that he's not God. So how can I believe you when you don't even believe what your own book says? He got a bit confused and says, yeah, but I don't believe he's God either. He said, well, that's the problem because I do believe he's God now. <laughs> you see, we've got to know the truth of who Jesus Christ is. There are those that are coming in to try and destroy your faith, my faith, trying to pull down Jesus. There's those who say he hasn't come in the flesh. There are those who say Jesus Christ is just a myth, like Santa Claus. Oh, no, sorry, some people do say that Santa Claus is real. Sorry, I've got to be careful what I say up the front, don't I? But Jesus Christ came in the flesh, died on a cross, and he's in heaven now with the Father. He is God. And you've got to know this truth because that truth is the basis of your faith. If Jesus is not God, then you don't have a faith. I don't have a faith. We need to know the truth. And he goes on in these verses, he says, the truth lives in us. The truth lives lives in us or abides in us. If you've come to that point in your life when you've said, Lord, I am a sinner, I am a person who does not have anything to give, but I come and I surrender and I take you as my Lord and my Savior, that truth lives in you. Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit, lives in you. And that's what he's reminding this lady in this congregation, that Jesus Christ lives in you. Not only do you know him, but he lives in you. But even more than that, this truth is with us forever. This Jesus that we believe in is with us forever. When we die, we go to be with him. When we pass on, God is there. We are with God. That's the hope of a Christian. That's the hope that we have as, as believers in Jesus Christ. As those who have taken Christ as our Saviour, Christ as our Lord. You'll notice I'm emphasising Lord because there's a, there's a doctrine going around that you only have to take him as Saviour. No, you don't. You've got to have him as Lord. He is with us forever. Jesus Christ is the truth. John talked about it in his gospel over and over and over again. John 8, John 1, John 4, John 3. He just kept talking about it, that Jesus Christ is the truth. And of all that, that's what we base everything on. His word is truth in John 17, 17. Because it's come from who? It's come from God. Jesus Christ is the truth. So he emphasizes that again, the doctrinal test. If people say that Jesus is not God, close your door. 
You know, it's very sad that often, you know, unless you're very well clued up on the Word of God, it is better to say, thank you very much, goodbye. Because people come into your house and you welcome them in who don't believe that Jesus is God and their only focus is to change your faith. And if you are not prepared to defend your faith, close the door and say, thank you very much. Don't say, get out of here, or punch in the face. <laughs> sorry, Whitey. <laughs> say, sorry, I have my faith. Thank you very much. Okay? Because you don't want to welcome them in because they will, their whole focus is to destroy you and make, them and make you become one of them. So know the truth that Jesus Christ. Second one, obedience and love, the moral test. In, in verses 5 and 6, we go on down, he says, um, Now that I ask you, not as I were writing you a new commandment, but the one we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. We obey what he says. Now he says that, that we love one another, that you walk in it. You know, as a Christian... We are, this, this is the, the thing that really got me when I first came to the chapel. It was only about 50 people back then. But we did life together. You know, we, we struggled together. We had joys together as Christians. And that's what I find with the uh, coffee guy groups. We do life together or community group. We do life together. It's life. Christians work, moving together, doing things together because we love one another. But you know what? It seems that Christians are also very good at disobeying this command of loving one another. You know, it really is, gets me that we often disobey this command of loving one another. You know, for, I often hear, and you know I work in the community a lot, and this is what I often hear, you know. Why should I become a Christian? They can't even get on themselves. They're at each other's throats all the time. You know, that, 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 that really hurts. I don't know if it hurts you, but it hurts me when I hear people say that. And it's often because they've had some experience with a Christ, or seen some Christian church. Now, I'm not saying we're perfect because, honestly, I can't say that I've loved everyone all the time. You know, Jeff knows that. I told him one day there was a certain person I was struggling to love. But often, the hardest thing for a Christian to do is to forgive their own brothers and sisters. We, we love, for some reason, we love holding on to these grudges that someone did 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago. We just love holding on to it. We won't forgive. That's, you realize that's disobeying the commandment of God that we love one another? Uh, it's disobeying that command in Galatians that, that we should forgive one another. It's disobeying that command that says, you know, carry each other's burden. We can't, you know, and, and I often hear people say, I hate that Christian. Hold on, there's something wrong there, hate Christian. No, if you're a Christian, you don't hate another Christian. One of the tests of being a Christian is you love that Christian, even though you 
he's done something bad to you. Even though she's done, said something bad about you. I mean, let's face it, we, we love talking about them behind their backs, not to their face. And, we, you know, as we start this new year, we, we, we think about Second John and, and, and one of these quotes, sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself and I've got to... One of these quotes I love. Christian love is a great protection against deception. Christian love is a great protection against deception. When we as a church love one another and someone comes in and tries to deceive us because we love one another, because we get on together, because we're working together, we can defend our faith. I've seen this happen. I saw it happen in the Philippines when someone came in and decided that they wanted to be something in our church. The believers were in love with one another. They looked after one another. That person basically left the church because he couldn't break through. Love, Christian love is a great protection against deception. We need to learn to forgive and get on and live life together. Carrying one another, helping one another, working together in all areas of our lives. Commit, um, obedience equals love. Love equals obedience. The third one, commitment and continuing. The relational test. He starts off by saying, don't lose what you have worked for. What he's saying, you know, you've... And honestly, I've seen people do this. They've served God for years and years and years. I remember one day I was at, when I was at Glow in 1983, and we went out door to door in this area in, in Hamilton and knocked on this door. And this guy opened the door. And I recognised him, not because I'd ever met him, but because his picture was all over, all over Glow as one of the guys that helped start Glow. And he'd thrown his whole faith away. Turned away. And I'm glad that Roland was with me, so he talked to him. Because I wouldn't know what to say back then. Don't lose what you've worked for. You know, we, we, we don't work for our faith. We don't work for our salvation. We don't work so that we can become Christians. But when you become a Christian... You serve because you love God. You're up here in the band because you love God. You're out there in the kitchen, by the way, we need helpers later, because you love God. Okay? We do things because we love God. And you're serving God in those ways. You might be out in the community doing something. You do it because you love God. Don't give it all up just because of something. You know, we don't come to church, you've heard me say this, we don't come to church because of people. We come to church because of Jesus Christ. We're here to worship him. And you may have something that you don't agree with, uh, with someone in the church. That's fine. Sort it out afterwards. I'll give you the opportunity. But we're here to worship Christ. That's why we come here. Not because of some pastor, not because of some elder, not because of some... We come here because of Jesus Christ. So don't lose what you've worked for, rather continue in the teaching of Christ. You know, I really encourage you to join a home group. I don't know how many here in home groups. Neil Joel, can you stand up, please? I saw you early. I can't see you now. Yeah, Neil Joel is in charge of home groups. If you're not in a home group, get in one. 
And I've heard testimonies of people who are in home groups and they have just found that has been a real help to them in their faith. You know, some home groups have straight out Bible study. Some home groups have a bit more of a social time. Some home groups just have a discussion time. But it's not so much about what, what you're doing in the home, it's about that you're together. And you're lear- learning the teachings of Christ. And can I say, to finish this, this, la- this third section off, refuse false teaching. Don't say, I'm listening it so I know what they believe. You know, I always believe if you teach the truth, you'll, de- you'll expose falseness. Well, tomorrow we head off to Lake Learning and, and just remember Margaret and Karina joining us at Lake Learning for a week. You teach the truth and it will expose the false. You don't expose false by learning false. You expose, expose false by learning truth. And we've all heard the illustrations of bank tellers and that. Refuse the truth. I mean, it's all over TV, it's all over the internet, everything. And, and, and you start questioning your own faith. Because you start listening to this false teaching. Learn the truth. Refuse false teaching. And then last, to finish off, joy and fellowship, verses 12 to 13. You know, this, again, is one of, the, one of those sections, you're like, well, what can you talk about here? But as I was looking at that, I thought, do you have joy meeting together with other Christians? You know, Paul, uh, John talks about, my joy will be complete when I meet with you. When we talk face to face, not text to text. When we talk face to face, when Christians meet together, there should be a joy that sort of just, because we know Christ, we are one in Christ. And that's one of the beauties I've been to, you know, Australia, Hong Kong, Japan, uh, Philippines, Fiji. And you meet up with these people, it's like, hey, I know, I've known you for 20 years, but I've just met you. Why? Because our oneness is based in Christ, and there's a real joy when you meet another Christian. In fact, when you, when, often when I go to another place, and you, I was in Papamoa last week, and I used to go for these walks along the beach, and I met this guy walking his dog, and it was like I knew him for a long time. I said, are you a Christian? He said, yes, I am. He said, so am I. And we just talked. It was like, you know, there's this, this, this joy that... Do you experience that joy when you're in fellowship with other Christians? Or are you trying to get away? You know, the, the end of the service is in a few minutes. Can I, where's that door? Make sure that door's open. Can I, can I get out there quick enough? Or is there that real joy to just hang around and talk with fellowship with Christians who are like-minded, who have Christ as their, as their, as their centre? Talk face-to-face. And your joy will be complete in fellowship. There's, to me, there's nothing greater than meeting with other Christians. Yeah, I love doing the work in the community. We have a men's home group on Wednesday nights. I just love it. I, mean, I, I, don't, I, I go there don't knowing what we're going to be look, talking about. Depends what the questions come up. But it's just a great time. Because you're with Christians enjoying fellowship. Coming here this morning, I, I didn't know what Jeff was doing. I haven't seen a run sheet, haven't been here for a few days. I just enjoyed that, Jeff. I just really enjoyed how we started the service this morning. Christians meeting together. Is your joy complete? 
Second John. It's a neat, powerful book. It talks about living as a Christian in 2020 when we're facing all this different stuff. But I just want to finish with five questions I would love you to ask yourselves before I pray and finish up. The first question is, who is Jesus Christ really in your life today? Who is he? Is he just a figment of your imagination? Is he just someone who's, you know, we come to church to worship? Or is he something meaningful to you? Is he your Lord? Is he your saviour? Second question. Do we really love our fellow Christians? Our fellow Christian here at church? Can I say that I love seeing Bruce and I love seeing Jeff and I, I love seeing Lois? I love seeing Ray? Oh, I do because we have coffee a lot. Well, he has coffee a lot. <laughs> but do you really love your fellow Christian? Does it bring joy to you when you meet another Christian? Does it bring joy to you when you say, Well, Helen's on staff now and, and we see each other? Does it bring joy to you that Christians are together? Do you really love your fellow Christian? The third one is more of a negative one. Are we entertaining false teaching? Are you spending time watching programs that teach false uh, doctrines about Jesus Christ? Are you spending time listening to uh, people who, who, who are constantly pulling down Jesus Christ? Or are you listening to people like Ravi Zacharias or John MacArthur or, or uh, Jeff Vines who, who lift up Jesus Christ? Are you entertaining false teaching? Am I continuing on in Christ? Or am I stumbling? Where are you in your Christian faith? Are you stumbling along? We, the, church, the TABC wants to help you not stumble along. We encourage you to, to live that full life of Christianity, what it really means to be a Christian. You know, the joy and the hope, and, the, and no matter what comes, struggles and trials in your life, you know, you carry on because you love the Lord Jesus Christ. But be honest. No, I just don't feel that. I'm really stumbling. I'm really like I'm plodding along. I just can't get anywhere. Talk to someone. Talk to someone in the fellowship that you know and you can just help. They can help you along. Let them be a mentor to you. Maybe you need someone you just want to meet with once a week and just, you know, talk life through. Don't be afraid to ask someone you know. And our last question. Does fellowship with other Christians complete my joy? Do I enjoy actually being here on Sunday with all the other Christians? Do I actually enjoy going to home group and being with other Christians? Do I enjoy? And I, I just ask you that because, you know, if, if, if you don't enjoy being with other Christians, maybe you need to really get down before God and say, Lord, are you really Lord and Saviour? Because your word says, I am to love one another, other Christians. I am to love these, pe these people that I come to church with. I am to meet with the home group and love them. Maybe the Holy Spirit needs to do a work in your life. So be honest. I'm not going to ask you to put your hand up. I'm not going to ask you to, to come up the front. I'm not going to ask you to bow or, or kneel. I just ask you to be honest in your answer. And if you want to talk, there are people in this fellowship who will be here during morning tea around the church, that you can go and just say, look, can I have a few minutes of your time? 
And can I just talk about one of those questions that was asked? You know, our goal, you know, I don't have everything sorted. Jeff doesn't have everything sorted. Brad doesn't have everything sorted. But by working together as Christians, we can help one another along. We're going to finish the service. I'm going to pray and um, then we'll have a cup of tea and uh, whoever can help can help serve God with love and joy. But I'm going to pray just about those questions. And after morning tea, there's an open home up at Stephen Dale's at O'Shea Road in uh, Parongia. Take some food up there and join up there and just, again, enjoy that fellowship of Christians. But those questions, ask yourself those questions and answer them honestly, can I pray. Father, in a world where your son is constantly being attacked, with false teaching, trying to pull down who he really is, trying to destroy the faith of Christians, those who come and visit and, and try and proclaim a gospel that's not real. Lord, may I commit the fellowship here, Lord, to the one who keeps us strong, the Lord Jesus Christ, to the one who can help us from getting over the stumbling in our lives, to the one who is the truth, Jesus Christ. Lord, I lift each one up here today that we may be honest about who you are in our lives and about where we stand as we start in 2020 again. Father, it is so neat that you're a God that just continually says, my arms are open, Nick, child. Come, come, come. No matter what you've done, come. Because you are the God of love. You are the God who cares. And you are the God that we at Te Amuru Bible Chapel believe in. In Jesus' name, amen.